college days. I met him. He was a, he was a drummer, put on a team, one of the worship teams for school. Uh, at the same time, I was put on that guitar on that same team, and he's just a great guy. Uh, but just expecting God to really uh, minister to our hearts. How many knows that you can always go deeper in your faith and your understanding of how good God is and what God has for your life? So that's what, that's what Fall Conference is about. We want to have our faith stretched. We want to be the church of Jesus Christ. We want to be the Acts 29 church. Amen? There's invite cards that we put together. Uh, grab these on your seat. These are not just for the conference. These are kind of a general invite. But I want to let you know that's got a nice little uh, QR code where they can learn more about the church. And this is a really simple way that you can use to invite a friend. All right? So someone actually texted me this morning. <laughs> Uh, he, this guy texted me. He said, hey, the lady at Sparkle told me to tell you hi. He's like, who is she? Like, oh, I've been inviting and praying for her for years. So this, which is cool, is I, I saw Pastor Andrew this. So me and Dave said, we're going to steal that idea. So um, this is an easy way if someone that you've already been inviting, right, maybe from Sparkle or IGA or wherever, and you want to give them something tangible, this is a really easy way to do that. So we're going to have these for you also at the doors and next week too. But that's an easy way to invite people out. Hey, I want to have um, uh, just a quick, do I have the order of service? I will not miss anything. Oh, yes. We're going to go to that in just a minute. But before we do that, just kind of have an announcement for you. I know most of you got this email, but I want to announce it uh, and just let you know about Cortland Campus. So when God first put it in my heart to plant churches, he couldn't have been more clear. God used two people from, from three hours away to give me the same word about starting 10 churches in 10 cities. And so we launched this thing, 10 cities uh, mission. And then God confirmed it the third time when Pastor John Wooten talked about, uh, hey, how many churches uh, do you think you could plant in 10 years? And so he, he announced that uh, two months later. But like with any dream or vision, then comes the hard part, how? Right? Has anybody ever been there? God gives you something, they're trying to figure out how. And so uh, I started meeting with some other pastors, and, and they said, hey, it is uh, one of the most meaningful, but also one of the hardest, but one of the most meaningful things you'll ever do uh, to see people move in their faith and start using their gifts and stepping out. So we began in Cortland uh, for four reasons. So we wanted a youth center and that we could see teens coming around the county. It's actually smack dab in the middle of Trumbull County, if you look at the map. And the majority of our teens, while they come from Kinsman, we have teens coming from uh, Warren and Howland and Vienna, and it's really neat. Uh, the second uh, purpose, we dreamed the Cortland campus could be a place for the community to come in. So either rental space or counseling and whatnot. And thirdly, we wanted to see Cortland as a campus uh, grow and potentially uh, move into a new building, but start small. I had experienced that in 2017, the difference being we, we weren't 10 minutes away from a mother uh, church that was sending us. We were just starting out. And so lastly, we needed good Wi-Fi. So this is like a really odd reason. But if anybody of you comes to church here, because you're all in this building, how many of you come to church to the Bermuda Triangle? Anybody else? Yes. Like uh, literally your phone just starts smoking, right? It just doesn't work. And so uh, we, we tried many avenues to get Wi-Fi here, but it just wasn't uh, affordable. And so we, we're looking to uh, continue working there. So we actually work there often when we need Apple and Google tools for planning and different things. Because there's many things that are multi-campus. So in having this campus for a little over three years, we keep seeing the same hurdle. So people will come to Cor Cortland campus, but because we're 10 minutes away, they will then end up coming to Kinsman campus. 
And um, so it's, it's hard because uh, we know the systems are great, the people are great, and they're just doing an amazing job in ministry. Even when we factored Warren and campus, we did three rooms in the kids as a learning experience because two rooms were, were hard to do. And so uh, Pastor Dave enlisted consultants from the Unstuck Group. They're a great ministry. They gave us a guy named Jesse, and his campus uh, was one of eight uh, campuses at a church. And they were reaching the exact same barrier where he couldn't get past uh, 50. The most he had ever had was 70. It's because he was also 10 minutes away from, jokingly, the mothership. I know they tell us not to say that, but the mothership, the mother campus. And so he uh, was experiencing the same kind of frustration where he loves people, serving people. You know, you're, you're, you're preparing your ministry, you're doing all that. But often they end up gra gravitating over uh, to the, the mother uh, campus. So they made that hard decision to close that Sunday expression down, um, and then they opened a new campus in a few years, and we've come to that same conclusion because we keep in that same barrier. We can't get past that 40. And so we're closing the Sunday expression down, but we are keeping the youth as a youth center for now and uh, offices and Emerge Christian Counseling. Have you guys ever heard of Emerge? Many of you have, I know, but... Um, they actually reached out to us uh, a year ago, and actually it was an honor because they said we would like to open our first satellite location at your Cortland building. So that's been really cool. That's been in the works. They actually had a meeting with a the counselor there last weekend. So very cool. So I know, I know most of you guys re, you know, received this email, but still we wanted to mention it to you. Uh, it's still going to be a training center for David Yu, which is once a month, but in 2025 it will go to once a week where we are training up worship leaders and ministry leaders, all right? So I just want to kind of uh, just reiterate that our 10 cities mission is very much alive. It's just we have to iterate a little bit. So with, with dreaming with God, I, we didn't want to stick our heels in and say, no, we're not changing. Our plans were already perfect. We don't want to do that. We want to continue going to God in prayer. And we have been bathing this in prayer uh, since March and April. And so I just want to ask you guys to continue praying uh, for us as a staff, because we need favor and wisdom to do this, uh, but we just want to be the best steward of our resources. Amen. And so um, Pastor Dave, again, is, is going to continue being our executive pastor. He helps with all the uh, audiovisual, the tech things, the finances, the operation, the calendar. If you've ever had to make, you know, if you've ever thought, I wonder if the building's being used for our life group, if we can use it. The reason you don't have ever overlapping any time ever is because of Dave, because he's really good with schedule and things like that. Uh, again, what about youth group? Youth group is still meeting there. And then lastly, we're going to use this building to train church planters. So I actually had our first meeting last week with two church planters for what we're calling leverage leadership, and they loved it. They were pumped. In fact, the one guy, he's bilingual, and he has a bilingual church, and he said, Pastor, this is what I've been praying for. And so I'm actually going to pray for myself to learn Spanish, so pray for me, because no hablo espanol. But I, I was like, I felt so pumped about this call because it was exactly something that's been in my heart, which is uh, which is to resource and encourage uh, church planters, because often they feel very alone when they go out to plant a church, okay? So we're just praying for you guys and asking you guys to keep praying uh, for us as we're dreaming and planning because we want to reach Trumbull County. You guys know we share this all the time. Uh, the progress that we've seen with our Transform Trumbull initiatives, we want to continue to see that growing more and more and more. 
In fact, we want to open um, some more addiction recovery things that we meet at Cortland as well. All right. So can you guys just pray with me as we, as we close that? Father, we love you. God, we thank you that even when we hear news that, Lord, is, is surprising and we're, we're, we're wrestling with the things of the call of God and the plans that you have for us, Lord, we just want to be faithful. We just want to be good stewards of everything you've given us. So we ask you for wisdom. Lord, we ask you for favor. God, we thank you for the church planters. God, we thank you um, for Victor. God, we thank you for those other guys that were on the call. God, we thank you even right now for Jason Orm up there and Warren and just the dreams that you've placed in his heart. God, we want to be a place, Lord, just like Andre used to prophesy about, that sends out Davids into the world, that sends out David. Would you guys just say that with me? Say, dear God, help us send Davids into the world. Lord, we want to send prophetic ministers, people who will carry the passion and the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, God, we just ask you for that wisdom and that favor in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, I want to invite up our guest speaker for the conference. This is a new friend of mine, but um, when we first got connected, I just heard nothing but amazing things about you, Pastor Jason. So I'm so excited to hear you uh, preach. I'm going to invite you up real quick, and he's going to share briefly about his ministry, and we'll receive uh, our offering, and then we'll go into the Word. Sound good? All right, put a warm welcome together for Jason Jablonski. I love your last name. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet and give the Lord an even bigger praise offering? Go ahead. We're going to take the next few minutes, the next few seconds, however long it takes, and we're just going to lift him up. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. Take the next 45 seconds, the next three minutes. If you'd be so bold to lift your voice and worship also, we praise you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. You're such a good God. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. Give me your best. Give me your best. Give me your best. Come on. Come on. Give him 30 seconds. Give him 45 seconds. Give him three minutes. Go ahead. Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. We lift you up, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you. We lift you up. Go ahead, come on, 15 more seconds of your best. Lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. What a good God you are. What a good father you are. You may be seated. Well, this is my lovely wife, Laura. Laura and I have been traveling, we, in May was our 10th year of traveling full-time as evangelists. And when God launched us out into this ministry, he told us to go heal the sick and revive the bride. How many know that God wants to bring healing to the body? Come on. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, God wants to bring healing to your body, I believe, today. And uh, not only that, but he also told us to go revive the bride. And I'll tell you that what, that is one of the greatest Pleasures I have is seeing people press in at the altars, seeking the face of God and not wanting to leave. How many of you have ever had God encounters like that where you've just gotten around the altar, you just got with him, and man, it's nothing like it. Amen. But uh, we, we've just been seeing people press in at the altar, seeking the face of God, just hungry and thirsty. Do I have any hungry and thirsty believers in here this morning? Come on. You just are just so hungry, so thirsty for him. And we've seen people pressing out the altars. We've seen people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Sometimes we'll see anywhere from 10 to 70, 80 people sometimes come to the altars to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And usually we don't see one person walking away without getting it. How many know that's some Book of Acts stuff? How many know that God wants to fill people with the Spirit this morning? He wants to not only give us that prayer language, but he wants to give us that power to witness also. So we're believing for good things this morning that God can do those. I want to share with you real quickly just a little bit more about our ministry and just who we are. And pastor is going to come take up an offering for us here in a few minutes. But I just want to share with you how you get to help us continue doing what we're doing. Like I said, we've been doing this for 10 years now and have no plans on getting off the road, Pastor. This is what I'm doing until the day Jesus calls me home. So, um, But I want to share some healing testimonies with you. And I'd love to share all of them with you, but I'm just going to share two or three of them with you. Is that okay? Just to get your faith built for what God wants to do around the altar this morning, tonight, and tomorrow, and Tuesday. Is that okay? Just to get your faith built up a little bit. Laura and I, we were at a church in Girard, Pennsylvania. It's right outside of Erie, PA. How many of you have ever heard of Girard, PA? It's not too far from here, I don't believe, right? But this young lady, she had came to church that morning, and when she walked in, her hair was all just starting to grow back in. She had just gone through chemo. She had just little black stubbles just growing back in. And her sister actually dragged her to church. How many of you in here have ever been dragged to church before? Huh. Some of you have, right? And this young lady, when we started to pray with her, uh, the healing line was so long that day. Uh, we didn't actually get to her till like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And when we got up to her to start praying with her, she had two tumors in the back of her head. She had one right here and one right here. And she had one on the front right side of her forehead right here. And they were about the size of golf balls. I had my hand on these things. And they were just protruding out of her head. And uh, we started praying with her, and, you know, nothing happened. We went out to lunch with the pastor that afternoon, and we came back about three hours later for the evening service. And when we walked back into the church, she met us out in the hallway, and the two tumors in the back of her head had completely disappeared within three hours. Now, I'm talking these things were the size of golf balls. Within three hours, they had disappeared. She woke up the next morning on Monday morning, and the one on the front right side of her forehead was gone the next morning when she woke up. Come on, go ahead and lift him up. She went back to the doctors, and the doctor gave her an MRI and put on it a big question mark saying, I don't know what happened. I mean, no, God can do things like that this weekend. Come on, he can do things like that. I believe that God has something in store for you, whether it's a healing or whatever. I just want to share just a couple more healing testimonies. I, I shared this with one of the guys this morning, I think, out in the hallway. And uh, Laura and I, we were at a church this one time. This guy, he told me that he had had such crippling arthritis. Both hands were like this. And he couldn't open them up whatsoever. So the doctor actually had to go in there and put rods in his fingers, and you could look on the top of, the, of his knuckles, and you could see the slits where they had put the rods in. And I started praying with this guy, and I said, well, hey, listen, I want you to just do whatever you couldn't do before. And he starts bending his fingers like this, because, you know, he had those rods in there to keep them straight. And he starts to bend them, and I'm dumb, I'm not in the medical professional, you know. <laughs> I, I had asked him, I said, could you do that before? He says, man, you don't understand, I got literal rods. In my fingers. I didn't know. I thought they had like hinges on them or something. 
You know, and he says, I cannot do this. There's a rod in my finger. Now, how does God get in there and bend up a rod? He gets some guy to bend his fingers. I have no idea, but I know that he can do the impossible. Come on, can you agree with that this morning? What seems impossible to you, I know that God can do this morning. Um, I just want to share one or two more things with you, uh, and then we're going to go ahead and turn it back over to the Pastor Jordan. Laura and I, we had just got a message last week, a young lady that was in Dubois, Pennsylvania. She had had stage four breast cancer, and the doctor had told her that stage four, this is the end of your life. There's nothing else we really can do for you. It's pretty much over, and she was told to start making plans because this is the end of her life. And the breast cancer she had had, it had gone into her liver, and she had had over 50 brain tumors from this cancer, and it had gone throughout all of her bones. And we had prayed with her back in the beginning of June. She just got in contact with us last week, and she said she went back to the doctors, and she had an MRI and a full-body PET scan, and they could not find one trace of cancer in her body. Listen, she went, she went back to her doctor also, and the doctor had told her out of thousands and thousands of patients that she has seen, her, her doctor was a female doctor, she said after seeing thousands and thousands of patients who get stage four, and it's a death sentence, has never seen anybody come out with a clear scan like this woman. She said, you are literally a walking miracle. How many know that God can do those kind of things? Come on. Well, he wants to do those kind of things. I want to share one story with you, and uh, it's just to build your faith to know what kind of ministry you're sowing into this morning um, and what God allows us to do and how we get to reach people. Laura and I, we were at a church down in Virginia about three years ago, and a young man was standing there, and he said, can I talk to you real quick? And I said, sure. He said, last year when you were here, he said, you looked at me and told me to come here, and I got scared, and I ran out the back of the church and locked myself in the bathroom. He said, do you remember that? I said, I, I sort of do remember that. He said, well, eventually you went and had some board members knock on the door to try to get me out of the bathroom, and I refused to open up the door for them. And he said, eventually I came back out, and when I came back out, you looked at me and told me that the new business that I had just started was going to take off. And you told me the new truck that I needed to buy for my business, I was going to be able to buy it, and I was going to be able to hire guys, and I was going to have so much clientele that I was going to have to turn people away. He said, do you remember saying that to me? I, I said, I do remember saying that, but I didn't know that that was you. He says, I want you to know that everything you spoke over my life last year has came to pass. He says, I want you to look out the window, and it was on the right side of the church. And he says, do you see that truck out there? It was a brand new gray Dodge Ram pickup truck. He says, I made so much money the first few months that I was able to pay for that in cash. I don't know what those go for, but probably at least $60,000, $70,000. He says, I was able to pay for that in cash. He says, I hired two or three guys to work with me. He had started a handyman business. And he said, I'm getting so much phone calls every day that I have to turn people away. I said, man, thanks for sharing that with me. That is such an awesome story. He says, but that's not the real reason why I told you all that. This is the reason why. He said, last year when you were here, he said, you tried to get me to come up front, and I ran out the back. I locked myself in the bathroom. And he says, what people don't know and what you probably didn't know about this about me was that last year when you looked at me and I ran out the door and locked myself in the bathroom, I actually went in there to shoot up heroin. 
He says, I've been a drug addict for the last 10 years. And he says, ever since last year on that Sunday morning, I've not went back to drugs whatsoever because I've come to realize how much God loves me, wants to take care of me, and is all completely on my side. How many know that God wants to do that in people's lives? Listen, when you sow into our ministry this weekend, you allow us to keep reaching people just like that. Come on. Did you hear what I said? You allow us to keep reaching people like that. I don't want to touch too much uh, on our table. Our table is out in the front. Uh, when you will come into the church, my wife will be out there. We are able to uh, take however methods of payment, uh, debit card, credit card, uh, cash, check. But we have a few books out there. Um, one of the books is called The Baptism of the Holy Spirit in You. How many know that there's people that sit in our churches, our Assembly of God churches, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues every day, and they don't witness to one person? Come on, think about that. Come on, think about even some of you sitting right now. Some of you probably speak in tongues every day, filled with the Spirit, have power, and don't witness. How many know that God wants that gift to not go dormant in your life and for you to be a powerful witness for him. Come on. So this is one of the booklets we have out there, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit in You. Another little book we have out there is called A Simple Little Book on Healing. And um, it just takes you through the scriptures on how you know that it's God's will. Uh, healing is for today. It's, it's not some kind of favoritism game that people believe that God does. God wants his people walking around healed and whole. Come on, can I get a big amen on that? And the last little book that I want to talk to you about is called Hearing the Voice of God. How many know that if you would have just heard the voice of God, you would have made some of the dumb decisions you made in life? Come on. You would have never took maybe the job that you hate so bad. Maybe you would have never gotten into a friendship that you should have never got into and ended bad. How many know that we need to hear the voice of God more now today than what we ever have? So those books are out there. We also have thumb drives out there that have about 20 messages that I have preached on the road. And you can put those in your car uh, and or in your computer, and um, you know they will help you grow in that area. Hey, we want to thank you guys so much for having us and sowing into us. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Jordan. Thank you so much. You know, I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer, as you guys know, in Ephesians uh, four, right? That God gives gifts to the fivefold ministry. So we're a firm believer in the prophetic, the apostolic, evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. And so we're honored to have you here with us, man, and just excited to uh, get to receive from your ministry. Uh, as always, you can just make check to Rock of Grace. That way uh, we can send him with a really great blessing and take care of his ministry. Why don't you bow your heads? And uh, Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to give. God, we thank you. Uh, that we get to be in your house. God, we thank you for this church family. Lord, I think of all the testimonies that I heard just this week about people uh, having meals brought over to them, Lord, who were sick, people who were just uh, gave birth to a baby and uh, five or six meals coming to them and just all that your spirit does in this church family is so beautiful. And so we thank you that we get to be in, in this family. And God, we pray a blessing over Pastor Jason and Lauren. God, we thank you that you will supply every need according to your riches and glory. Can you guys just say this verse with me? Say, every need according to your riches and glory. And so, th Father, thank you for that. I just pray a blessing on, on their ministry. And uh, we, we give you this day, God, open our hearts. Our hearts are open. We tell you, God, our hearts are wide open to grow in our faith. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Come on back, Pastor Jason. Get, put your hands together and let's welcome him as he ministers today.
Well, it's so good to be with you guys this morning. You know, I was talking to Pastor before we had got the service started, and I told him that I'd like to have the offering taken up for our ministry in the beginning instead of doing it at the end when the altar time starts, because I don't want to mess with what God does around the altar. Come on, amen. And uh, I had a pastor one time tell me, listen, you'll get way more if we take up the offering at the end of the service. And uh, I want to let you know I'm not worried about that. I don't want to mess with what God does this morning. Come on, how many are in agreement with that? Now, I know some of people will say, well, I want to hear whether you stink or not before I sow into your ministry. Let's hope that I don't stink. And Pastor Jordan brought in a half-decent preacher this morning. Come on. Amen. Well, this morning, let's go ahead and... uh, Go over to Romans, and we are going to take a look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Last fall... I felt the Holy Spirit started telling me that the church in America has stopped valuing a move of God. That the churches in America sometimes, most churches in America, not here at Rock of Grace, come on it, have gotten to the point where as long as you have them out by 12 o'clock, as long as you have something provided for my children, they really could care less whether God showed up in a service moved and God started speaking to me almost on a weekly basis the church has stopped valuing a move of God they stopped valuing seeing my spirit show up they stopped valuing my glory showing up they stopped valuing seeing me move in their lives and I kept getting this over and over again I thought well surely God wants me to preach a message on this but I didn't get that release have you ever had that before Pastor Jordan And I kept getting this for weeks and weeks, and then finally, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me so clearly. It was about 6.38 in the evening, and he said, I want you now to start telling the church that they need to begin valuing a move of God. I believe that when we value a move of God, I believe that God will begin showing up in our lives individually. He'll begin to show up in our churches. He'll show up in our cities. How many know that if we don't begin having a move of God in here, how are we ever expecting God to move outside these four walls? And I want to tell you, you'll see this throughout this message this morning, that there will be people who will value a move of God in our churches, and there will be people who will not value a move of God, but that does not stop God from moving in our midst. Come on. How many know that he wants to move in our midst this morning? Take a look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Look what it says here. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It starts off here and says, although they knew God. How many of you have met people in church who say, yeah, I know God, and sometimes their lifestyle and the way that they live, it's far from actually even knowing God, come on. Their actions, their their words, how they do things is far from God. How many know that sometimes church people can put on a better show than the world sometimes? 
You know, sometimes I think to myself, man, I could sit down with a sinner, and sometimes they can show God more than sometimes the church can, too. Mm, come on. How many know that we need to change that? It says here, they knew God. So apparently, in their life, in their situation, they seem like that, man, these people know God. But sometimes even people who act like they know God can be far from God. Did you hear what I said? People who act like they know God can be very far from God. I one time was doing an outreach in the city of Pittsburgh, and we set up a, a table outside this local bar. And we, the, the whole mission was, was this church that I was working with, they wanted us to evangelize to the people walking out of the bars. So as the people would come out of the bars, I had this one gentleman walk out, and he said, who are you? And the guy, the pastor said, well, we're the church down the road, and this is our guest speaker, and we just want to tell you about God, you know. And all of a sudden, the guy tried to sober up a little bit, and he says, well, I'm the deacon at my church, you know. A few minutes later, another guy came stumbling out, and he asked us who we were and what we do, and the pastor said who we were and what we were there doing, and he says, oh, my great-grandfather was a pastor. Isn't it something how sometimes people will act like they know God, but they're far from actually knowing who he really is? Look what it goes on there and says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. You guys see that there? Here it says that they acted like they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God. Now, if you look that word glorify up in the Greek, that word is doxezo. Say doxezo with me. Come on, say it one more time. Doxezo. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Doxezo is spelled D-O-K-S-A-Z-O. D-O-K-S-A-Z-O. And doxezo actually means... To value God for who he is. Did you hear what I said? To value God for who he is. To value his nature, to value his character. So in other words, every time we say, I give you glory, God. I glorify you. I glorify your name. I give you glory. We're actually saying, God, I value you. Isn't that something? Isn't that awesome? How many of you, we sing songs like that all the time, don't we? I give you glory. I glorify you. Every time we say, I give you glory, Lord, I glorify you. I glorify your name. We're literally saying in the Greek, I value you for who you are. I value your nature. I value you char your character. I value you, God. Now I want to share this with you this morning that we're talking about valuing a move of God. I don't believe a church can ever have a move of God. And I don't believe that we can ever even begin to value having a move of God unless we as a church and as individuals begin valuing God himself. Come on. How are we ever going to expect a move of God to happen or value a move of God if we don't begin to value God for who he is, his nature, his character? We value that. So every time you say, I give you glory, I glorify you, you're saying, Doc Zezo, I value you, God, for who you are. 
Come on, how many value him this morning for who he is? When I was younger, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but when I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star. Anybody else in the house wanted to be a rock star when they grew up? Somebody was, all right. I'll tell you what, brother, to this day, in my mind, I'm still a rock star somehow, somewhere. And when I was about eight years old, my mother, she took my brother and I to a... <laughs> my mother took my brother and I to a garage sale when we were younger, when I was about seven or eight years old. How many in here are Saturday morning garage sailors? Anybody in here? A few of you? And to this day, I can still tell you, I can still remember where this house was. And we had walked into this house, and we had gone through the garage, and there was all these tables set up. And we were going through all the tables. And off to the side, I saw this burgundy guitar with no strings on it. Now, before that, I would, before my mother actually even purchased this guitar for me, I would actually take her broom and stand in front of the mirror and just wind it up, you know? You know, I was Pete Townsend in the making. And we went there this day, that, that, that Saturday morning. I saw this guitar. I asked my mom if she would purchase it for me, if she would buy it for me. And she went to the lady who owned the house, and the lady said, well, the guitar is not really for sale because... That's why we have it off to the side. It's not with the rest of the stuff. Because you want to buy it for your son, I'll go ahead and sell it to you. And she sold that guitar to my mother for $8. So now my mother gets her broom back, and I got this, this burgundy guitar with no strings on it. And I'm just in the mirror just singing along to Bon Jovi. Come on. Well, eventually, um, my, my cousin, his parents had bought him a drum set. So now him and I are going to start this rock band together. And his father had bought him a drum set, but he also bought the family a VHS camcorder. I remember the day of the VHS camcorders. So my cousin and I, we took these, these stack of books and we put them on this table and we put the VHS camcorder on it. And we put this cassette on of Bon Jovi living on the prayer. And, you know, we have the music playing in the background. I'm lip syncing. I got my little burgundy guitar with no strings on it. He's back here pretending he's playing the drums. And, you know, I'm just singing along, oh, living on a prayer. And, you know, at the end of every good rock video, something has to happen, right? So at the end of that song, I took that guitar and I smashed it right off. And snapped the neck right off it. Years on, when I got serious about playing the guitar, now I collect guitars. I got a Gibson Gold Top Les Paul. I got a Fender Lone Star Strat, a Martin Acoustic. I collect tube amplifiers. It's just my passion. I have a home recording studio, and I love recording music. I never got to become a rock star, buddy. But I, I often think back about those days because when I started getting serious about playing the guitar, when I was about 12 or 13, I remember what was written 
on the top of the headstock of that guitar, and it was a Gibson. Yeah. See, I wanted to share that story with you because of this. As an eight-year-old boy, I didn't know what I had in my hands. I didn't value what I had. I didn't see the worth of it. And I think so often in our churches in America, we have something so valuable. We have the Holy Spirit who wants to get up and move among us. He wants to move among us as individuals. He wants to move in our churches. He wants to move in our cities. But we just don't value what we have in our hands this morning. I want to ask you, I want to encourage you this morning. Do you value the Holy Spirit this morning? Do you value what you have in your hands? Do you value what is at your disposal? The Holy Spirit wants to move, will we let him? Do we value what we got this morning? See, so often I believe that we have so much at our disposals in church, we have the Holy Spirit who wants to move. God wants there to be a move among us, but do we even value what God has even given us? What's been given in our hands, what's at our disposal, do we value the Holy Spirit who wants to move among us? I want to ask you this morning, do you value a move of God this morning? Do you value when God begins moving and there's healing in the house? Or do you just look at that and say, oh, well, that's good, but you know what? I still got to be out by 12, Pastor Jordan. God could be moving all he wants, but I got a time schedule. I want to tell you, my friends, God, will, God cannot move on your time schedule. Come on. I want to ask you, do you value a move of God. Do you value when God begins moving in your midst? When he moves in healing, when he moves in deliverance, when he moves in corporate prayer, when he moves in worship, do you value those things or do you just sit back and just say, well, that's nice. That's good for others to get all emotional, but that's not who I am. Man, I want to tell you, my friends, I believe that God wants to get a hold of us this morning. I believe he wants us to begin valuing the things of God. I believe he wants us to begin valuing a move of God. Listen, my wife and I, we've seen people who've had brain tumors dissolved, people get up out of wheelchairs and walk. This one time I was praying for a guy that had a back brace on. Was in that back brace for three years. And God instantly healed him, set him free to where he took off this back brace Ran around the church. He actually lost his scholarship because he couldn't run. He had a full scholarship to be able to run and couldn't go because he hurt his back. As soon as God healed him, he took that brace off. He ran around the whole church. And he went back and sat in the left-hand corner of the church and he bawled back in the corner for 45 minutes. Listen, if God touched your life, you would bawl like a baby too. But I saw people looking at this young man like, why is he crying? Why all this emotionalism? Why all this? Man, my friends, I want to tell you, if we can't value what God, oh, come on, this is good stuff right here. If we can't value what God is doing in other people's lives, how are we ever going to expect to see God move in our church? 
in our, even in our own lives, if we can't begin to value what God does in other people's lives. Come on, how many know that God wants to do stuff in other people's lives that come in and out of these doors every Sunday? There could be people who are suffering from addiction, from all sorts of things. And man, if you can't get on board and see that God wants to move in their lives just like he does in your life, man. I mean, know that God wants you to value what he's doing in other people's lives. Man, I believe that we can't even see a move of God unless we begin valuing. Isn't that what we're all about in the body of Christ is working together and seeing other people get set free and be part of the body? Amen. Listen, I believe that sometimes people don't see a move of God because they really just don't care. But man, I believe that there's a hunger group of people that God can move through if they would just give him the chance and opportunity to do so in their midst. Come on. I'm going to explain this to you like this. I, this is the way the Holy Spirit explained it to me, so I'm going to explain it to you the way that he explained it to me. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever worked in a convenience store where you had to deal with money, whether a grocery store, a convenience store, a gas station, or somewhere where you had to deal with money? Come on, raise your hand if you've ever worked in something like that. Now let me ask you, if somebody was to come in the store and they wanted to buy a bottle of Coke, a bag of chips, and somebody yell out your favorite candy bar? Snickers. Snickers, right there it is, Snickers. That would have been mine too. And they come up to the front and they want to purchase this and everything comes to a total of $5, okay? A bottle of Coke, a bag of chips, and a Snickers. Now the person behind the counter, do you think that they want to be paid with a $5 bill or $5 worth of pennies? Which one are they going to want to take? The bill. Who in their right mind wants to be counting out $500 worth of pennies, right? Or, I mean, $5 worth of pennies, sorry. <laughs> right? Nobody wants to count out $5 worth of pennies. But this is how the Holy Spirit explained it to me, and this is how I want to share it with you. They both hold the same value. Come on, did you hear what I said? They both hold the same value. It's how you perceive it. See, we find value, we find value in that $5 bill because it doesn't take much for us to be able to have another transaction with it. But $5 worth of pennies, now that's, that's a totally different ball game. Now I gotta start counting stuff out and we gotta roll them and we gotta do this and it becomes a nuisance. And so often what happens is, is when God begins to move and people begin valuing a move of God, it's their perception on what it is. They either will see it conveniently that, man, God's ready to move and we're going to jump on this thing and it's going to be the best thing that we've ever had in our lives. And some people will say, nope, no, 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 this is a nuisance. Listen, we can't be doing this. You know, when Brownsville Revival broke out, do you know how many people were against it that attended the church? Hmm. <laughs> where, where, where are we going to park everybody? Where, where? What do you mean I got to be here five nights a week now? You know, man, my friends, if revival was to ever break out in our churches in America, who will be the faithful that will say, man, I'm going to find convenience in this. I'm not going to find it a nuisance, and I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to go where the Holy Ghost is going and in the direction that he's moving in. My, uh, my father-in-law... 
he was a piano tuner. That's what he did the whole time my, my wife was growing up. Her father tuned pianos. He did it for a living. And he made a good, he made a good living at it. He would tune in people's houses. He would go to churches. He would go to schools, high schools. He would go all over the place to tune pianos. And one day he went to this Christian high school that had a piano in the music room. And he went and he tuned the piano. And after he was done tuning the piano, he walked out of the music room, started walking down the hallway to go to the principal's office to get his check for tuning that piano. And when he cut the corner, he saw four large stacks of books sitting there. One of them was a King James Bible that had the Apocrypha in it. How many of you grew up Catholic? Anybody in here grow up Catholic? Just a few hands. The Apocrypha is extra books that are still in the Bible that the Catholic Bible still has. The King James Bible had those books in there up until about 1885, and then they were taken out. So that would be your book of Maccabees and Enoch and all that. So those books were all taken out. But this Bible was so old, it still had the Apocrypha in it. And he also had seen three large Matthew Henry commentaries that were from the 1800s that were in extremely mint condition. And he looked up, he picked up the cover, he looked over the top of it and just walked down to the principal's office, got his check, and he left. A year later, he's asked to go back to that same high school to tune that same piano. And he walks into the room, he tunes the piano, he cuts the corner, starts walking down the hallway to get his check again from the principal's office. And he sees those four large stacks of books still sitting in the same spot that they were in a year prior. He goes down to the principal's office and he asks the principal, he says, listen, I was here a year ago. Those books were sitting there and they're still sitting there today, a year later. What are you going to do with those books? And the principal said, listen, we have uh, computers in the room. The kids have their cell phones. We have really no use for them. They have no value to us, so if you want them, you can have them. So my father-in-law picks up all four of these books. He brings them home. He gave me the King James Bible that had the Apocrypha, and he kept the Matthew Henry commentaries that were in mint condition. He held on to them for a few months, and then there was a book collector that went to church with him, and he went to this book collector to find out what the worth and value of these books would actually be. So he goes to this guy, and he says, the guy tells him, listen, give me a few days. I'm going to find out what they're worth, and I'll get back to you on how much they are. And he gets back to my father-in-law a couple days later, and he says, listen, I will give you right now $900 for all three of those books, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll cut a check for you right now. My father-in-law said, okay, let's do it. So he sold those books to that guy for $900. The reason I shared that story with you because of this, that principle didn't see the value nor the worth in those books. He saw them as something old and outdated and have no use for. And I want to share with you this morning, so much across our denominational line, across the assemblies of God, we have so many churches that do not see the value of the things of God anymore. They don't, I want to tell you, there are churches that won't even allow messages in tongues, interpretation and prophecy in our, in our movement sometimes. And my friends, I want to tell you, we cannot see a move of God, and even Pentecost itself. How I many know that this is a Pentecostal church here? Come on. 
We cannot let the things of God go to waste and see it as something old and outdated and have no value for. My friends, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to move among us freely. He wants to express himself through you and through me. My friends, he wants there to be a move, but we can't expect him to move if we still see the things of God as something old and outdated and have no use for. I may know that there's a lot of people that view that in our churches sometimes. They view the things of God as old and outdated and have no use for. Come on, do you know that God wants to move among you this morning? Listen, you heard me share this with you, and I'll say it again. There will be people in our churches that want to see God move, and there will be people who do not want to see him move. That does not stop God from wanting to move. Man, I'll tell you, my friends, he could take a handful of people, and a move of God can get started and stirred up. Go ahead and turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. And when you're there, say it there. Bring it over up on the walls there. This is what it says. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep. Now this is a story that Paul is telling about when Jesus, right before he ascended into heaven, he showed himself to 500 individuals. Listen, how many of you are good with math? Raise your hand if you're really good with math. Not many hands going up. I got two in the back. Yikes. This story is the account of when Jesus... Right before he ascended into heaven, he showed himself to 500 individuals. Everybody say 500. Now, there could have been more there. There could have been because there was women and children there. And, but we know at least 500 were there right before he ascended into heaven. Everybody say 500 one more time. We're going to see here that sometimes God will move with just even a few people. Come on. Can you be in agreement with that this morning? So we see here that he was there and he told the 500 something. Would you go over to Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's see what Jesus told the 500 individuals on the Sea of Galilee right before he ascended into heaven. So we know that Jesus had died, he was buried, he rose again, and he's sharing something with these 500 individuals. Now when we see this 500 individuals that he's talking to, Paul is recount, recounting the time right before he ascends into heaven. And our Bibles, I don't know if you knew this, but with only in the last 300 years have we ever really had verses and chapters. Did you guys know that? 
This is relatively new. So back then, there was no chapters and verses. Everything ran together. So what we see here is that Jesus is telling what when we see over in Matthew where he says, go, go and preach the good news of the gospel and, you know, go make disciples of all nations. This is all running from Matthew 28, Mark 16, straight into Acts chapter 1, right before the ascension. And this is what he tells those 500 individuals right before he ascends into heaven. Look what he says to them. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus tells 500 individuals right before he goes into heaven to go and wait for what? Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be my witnesses. That word power in the Greek is a word dunamis. How many of you have ever heard the word dunamis before? Now that word dunamis, it's actually where we get our English word for guess what? Dynamite, that's right. So in other words, what Jesus was telling the 500 individuals, go into the city, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, wait for something big to happen, something explosive is going to happen. How many know that God wants to do something explosive in Kinsman and in Cortland? Come on, come on. In Warren, how many know that God wants to do something explosive among the people of God? So he's telling these 500 individuals, go wait for the power. Go wait for something explosive to happen. How many know that God wants to do something explosive in this city, in this region? Come on. Well, I got some of you excited. Oh, He wants to do something explosive this morning. He wants to do something explosive in this region. Well, let's see what happens here. Now, we, we were talking about the 500 saw him on the day of ascension, right? Do you know what ascension, what the day of ascension really was from the day that Jesus had died into the time right before he ascends? Do you know how many days that was? Does anybody remember? That's right, very good. It was 40 days. Everybody say 40 in the house. So on the 40th day, Jesus tells 500 individuals to go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Go wait for something explosive to happen. One of the greatest moves of God is going to happen pretty much. Let's see what happens. We're in verse 8, scrolling down to verse 15. Let's see how many show up. Everybody on verse 15? And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. Now, this is the day of Pentecost. How many know what Pentecost means? That's right, 50. So the day of ascension was 40. The day of Pentecost is what? 50. How many days in between did these people have to wait? 10 days. And how many showed up 10 days later? 120. How many were missing? 380. My friends, that's a lot of people to be missing, right? Out of 500 individuals, only 380 show up. 
where were they? Well, they surely weren't where they were supposed to be, right? How many know that there's people that belong in the house of God, to be a part of the house of God, but they have other things that they're doing? They got other things, and they're busy with things, and they just don't decide to show up sometimes. Well, how many know that that's becoming more prevalent in our churches today? But here we see that out of 500, 120 show up where 380 are missing. Where were they? I don't know. They went back to fishing and back to tax collecting, but they surely didn't show up like they were supposed to. Listen, Pastor Jordan, I want to tell you that if I was part of the 500 that day, and I, I hear Jesus talking, and he then goes and ascends up into heaven, and two angels stand there and say, listen, the same, why are you marveling at this? The same way he left is the same way he's coming back. I would have made sure I was going to be back in 10 days. I don't know how many else in this room would have made sure you would have been back in, in 10 days to see what was going to happen. But they didn't. Because they valued other things more than God showing up and moving on the day of Pentecost. And I want to tell you, my friends, there will be people that will value other things other than God moving. But that will not stop God from moving. Because I believe that God is still looking for a faithful 120 people. Come on. Say, can you say that with me? Say, I'm part of the 120. See, God's looking for people who are willing to show up. Listen, where is everybody else at? I don't know. They're, they're too concerned about doing their own thing. They're valuing other things. But he's looking for people who will value showing up when it's time to show up and see God move among them. Come on. How many know that there will be people in church that will value other things than God moving? When I was younger, I just got out of Bible school, and I went to this, this, this picnic. And while I was at this picnic, uh, some people were there. They found out that I I'd just finished up becoming a minister, and they had asked me if I would pray for this lady. And this is the first time my wife and I had ever seen a miracle like this, one of the very first miracles I had ever seen like this. And they had asked us, would you pray for our friend? She was in a car crash five years ago, and she's paralyzed from the waist down. Can you pray for her? And I said, sure, let me put my plate of food down. And before I could put my plate of food down, they grabbed their friend, and they wheeled her over to me. And we start praying with her. And as we're praying with her, she says, I got a numbness on my big right toe. I said, that's awesome. Let's just keep praying and believing God's going to do something. A few minutes later, she says, my ankles feel like jello. I said, that's awesome. Let's just keep believing that God's going to do something miraculous. A few minutes later, she says, my knees feel like rubber. They feel like jello from my knees. I said, that's awesome. A few seconds later, she says, I can feel that rubber, that, that jello feeling going all the way up, my, up to my hips now. I said, surely God's doing something. Let's go ahead and just see what he's going to do. And as, she, as we're praying with her, I said, let's go ahead and I want to see what God does. And she begins to stand up out of this wheelchair. And she says, I grabbed one side of her, her, her boyfriend grabbed the other side of her. And she says, my legs still feel like rubber, they feel like jello. I said, that's all right, let's just believe that God's going to do something here. And she starts taking these little baby steps like this. Just little steps like that. And a few minutes later, she starts taking even bigger steps. And you could tell that her legs are just still 
just rubber, just jello underneath her. And she takes about five or six steps just like this. And she stops dead in her tracks. And she looks me straight in the face and says this, oh, no, I'm going to lose my SSI check. I found out that lady was right back in that wheelchair. Because she valued a check. She valued other things than God moving in our life. Listen, there are always going to be people, my friends, that are going to value other things than God moving. The question is, here in Kidsman, will you, as a church, as an individual this morning, will you begin valuing a move of God? Will you begin valuing God showing up and moving in your midst this morning? Take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Let's see what happens here. We're just in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's see what happens on the day of Pentecost. Is everybody there? Look what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Pentecost means what again? 50. How many showed up? How many should have been there? How many were missing? Let's see what 120 people can do. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. First, let's just stop there and take a little sidetrack. How many know that God can't move where a church doesn't have unity? Come on, right? We can't expect God to move if everybody's bickering and fighting and at each other's throats, right? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Father God, I pray this morning and I pray over this evening and tomorrow night and Tuesday night. Father God, send fresh wind, send fresh wind, Father God, from your Holy Spirit. Father God, we pray for fresh fire, fresh wind, Lord, to blow through these services. Look what it goes on and says there. As of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Notice it filled the what? The whole house. Father God, fill this house with a fresh wind. It goes on and says, And then there appeared to them divided tongues of the fire, and it sat upon each and every one of them, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can you imagine on the day of Pentecost, after hearing Jesus say, go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, wait for something explosive, something big is going to happen, that the faithful few, the faithful 120, show up and they experience one of the greatest moves of God that has ever happened in church history. Can you imagine being in that upper room and, and, and that wind from the Holy Spirit coming through that room and just the shutters just bouncing back and forth off the walls. Can you imagine being in a room where the Holy Spirit just comes and shows up with a mighty wind rushing through that house? Stand to your feet for me. I want you to go ahead and take your right hand and put it over top of your head like this. Just take your right hand, put it over top of your head like this, and go ahead and give me a pageant wave. If you don't know what a pageant wave is, go ahead and look at pastor's wife. She's got a perfect pageant wave. She must have been at the pageant one time. Now go ahead and take a look around the room while you're doing that.
Can you imagine being in a room of 120 people on the day of Pentecost with everybody's hair on fire? Can you imagine the sight of that? Can you imagine what that looked like? What, what that experience was like? Man, my friends, I believe that God wants to send the fire of God like that. Come on, did you hear what I said? I believe that God wants to send the fire of God like that. I believe that he wants to send a fresh wind this morning. I believe that he wants to send fresh wind throughout this whole conference, throughout this whole week. He wants there to be fresh fire. The question is, is does the people of God value that? And listen, it doesn't matter who shows up for it. You know, John Kilpatrick said if it wasn't for three little old ladies that met every Tuesday morning for prayer, he didn't believe that revival would have ever broken out in Brownsville. It doesn't take many, my friends. It just takes a few faithful. And listen, if the three wants to join in, Pastor, they can join in any time. They, they can join in any time, but God's looking for those faithful 120 that will say, man, I'm here, God. I'm hungry. I want more of you. I want you to just fall fresh upon me and let us see one of the greatest moves of God that we've ever seen in our lifetime. You know, right after they were done there in the, in the upper room and the Holy Spirit had fell on them, and team, you can guys can come and just start playing softly. Soon as the Holy Spirit fell like that, they received the power of that Holy Spirit. They received that explosiveness to see some stuff get done. How many want to see some stuff get done in your community, in your region around you? Come on. My friends, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that explosiveness of the Holy Spirit this morning that will do great and wondrous things that we've never seen in our lives before. Well, can you be in agreement with that? Do you know that right after that, they found their ways out of the upper room, and as they go down into the city streets, Peter begins to preach. And as he's preaching, 3,000 people get saved. Come on, I would say that that was a revival. I would say that that was a move of God. Come on. My friends, we don't see those kind of move of gods anymore in our, in our cities. We don't see that in our nation anymore. I want to believe and expect that kind of move of God when we begin valuing the things of God and valuing a move of God that we'll see people getting saved in our city streets again. Come on. Are you in agreement with that this morning? That we'll see people getting saved and set free and delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. We want to have those kind of meetings. But I want to tell you, we have to have those upper room experiences that will flow out into the city streets, my friends, to where we see God moving in our streets like that. 3,000 people get saved. The next day, Peter and, and John, they go up to the temple to pray. And that day, 5,000 people get saved. So in two days, 8,000 people get saved. Come on, my friends, that's a move of God, amen. How many know God wants to move like that? Listen, I want to ask you this morning, I, if this is your home church and this is where you come to worship God and this is where God has put you to be, you're part of this body this morning. And God wants you to be a part of what he does this morning and tonight and Monday and Tuesday. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing here at this church. 
this evening, as long as God doesn't change it on me, we're going to be talking about creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move in. But I believe that we can begin creating that atmosphere as we begin valuing God moving among us. Come on. So I want to ask you this morning, if this is part of your home church and God has put you in the body here, I want you to experience what God does in an altar setting. I want you to experience what God does when God's people gather at the altar. Come on. And what God wants to do in your life personally as an individual, as a church. And I believe as we begin valuing those things that God wants to do, I believe that he's going to start sending us out one by one to be able to start doing the things of God. Come on. So I want to ask you if this is your home church this morning. Will you just step out of your seats this morning and just make your way to the altar? And as you come forward this morning, I want to ask you just to step out of your seats and just, I don't want to see one person left in their seat. I want you to be a part of what God does this morning. Would you just step out of your seats this morning? And as you step out of your seats and you make your way down the altars, would you just lift your hands up all across this room this morning? And listen, I see some open spaces. Those are usually the spaces nobody wants to get in because they're afraid the Holy Ghost might fall in that spot. Go ahead, fill in those open spaces. Come on. Come on, just lift your hands all across this room. Come on. The Bible says, may the lifting up of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. Lord, we are just coming and expecting for you to move this morning, this evening. Father God, Monday, Tuesday night, Father God. Just move among us. Listen, the Bible says he dwells among the praises of his people. So would you begin lifting your voice right now? It says he dwells among the praises of his people. In other words, the more we praise him, the more God shows up. Come on, did you hear what I said? The more we praise him, the more he shows up. So would you just begin lifting your voices right now? Come on. It's all right. It's all right. Go ahead. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. There you go. Go ahead. We worship you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. Go ahead, lift your voice. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. There you go. My, my, my. That's so beautiful. It's so precious. It's so sweet. Go ahead, lift your voice. Worship you. We worship you, Lord. There you go. There you go. Go. It's all right. It's all right. Go ahead, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Come on, usher his presence into this place. Usher his presence into this place. He dwells among the praises of his people. Lord, come on and just show up and move, Lord. There you go. Go ahead. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Worship you. We worship you, Lord. How good you are. How good you are. How good you are. Go ahead. It's all right. Don't break that. Don't break that. Lift your voice. Don't break that. Lift your voice. Worship you. My, 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 my. There you go. Don't break that. Don't break that. Don't break that. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Worship. Worship you. Worship you, Lord. You're so good. You're so faithful, God. How good you are, Lord. How good you are, Lord. My, 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 my. Don't break that. Don't break that. Don't break that. Worship you, Lord. My, my, my. Don't break that. Go ahead. 
Usher his presence. Oh, my, my, my. Don't break that. Don't break that. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. It's all right. Hey. My, my, my. Don't break it. Don't break it. Lift your voice. My, my, my. This is what valuing a move of God looks like. This is what it looks like when you're waiting for something explosive to happen, dunamis to happen. When you doxazo, when you glorify, you value the things of God. You value a move of God. Hey! Worship you, Lord. Worthy. Worthy. Hey! My, 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 my. Don't break that. Don't break that. Don't break that. It's too precious. It's too sweet. My, my, my. My, 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 my. Worship you. Worthy. Listen, usually when we go and you see that crescendo and then you see it just come down as quickly as it does, it's because God is ready to move and he wants to move through you. We're going to learn more about this tonight, how God wants to use people in the body of Christ. Come on. He wants to use you this morning. You can begin to be able to create an atmosphere for God to move through you this morning. I want to ask you, just keep those hands lifted up all across this room. Come on. Well, just lift your hands all across this room. Listen, I want to share something with you. Just don't break this atmosphere. Don't break this. But this morning, there was a young lady that was supposed to give a message in tongues, and you were too frightened to do so. You were too afraid to let it go. Listen, I want to tell you, there is going to be freedom in this house. There's going to be freedom right now. I believe that's why we're at this, this little moment in time where there's almost a silence among people even praising. It's so that they can begin to listen to what God is doing in the room. Listen, if God comes upon you to move prophetically, if he comes to move on you with a message in tongues, an interpretation of prophecy, we're just going to keep this atmosphere. And we're going to wait on God. Come on, how many know that when they were up in the upper room, when they were waiting for that fresh fire, when they were waiting for that, that mighty wind, that fresh wind, they were waiting, they were anticipating to be used by God. Come on, that the power of the Holy Spirit would use them. Would you let God use you all across this room right now? If you feel like you get a message in tongues and interpretation of prophecy, do not sit on it. I always tell people if you're breaking out in a cold sweat and you don't want to do it, it's probably God, not you. Well, let's just wait on him. Father God, would you move prophetically? Would you move in tongues? Would you move in interpretation? Let tongues flow. Let prophecy flow. Let words of wisdom and knowledge flow. Let interpretation flow. Let prophecy flow. 
Come on, if that's you this morning, if God's trying to get a hold of you to use you, maybe you, you've never moved in that gifting, maybe you've never moved in that operation, listen, this whole weekend is going to be based off of you allowing God to move and use you. This, so don't feel frightened, don't be shy, don't be bashful, let him move through you. Father God, we wait, we wait, we wait, Holy Spirit. Let tongues flow, let interpretation flow, let prophecy flow. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Come on. Worship. Just lift your hands all across this room. Father God, we wait for you to move on somebody, whether it's someone who's moved in it in times past or if it's someone fresh, Lord. Someone new, Lord. Let the interpretation flow. Let the interpretation flow. 